0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to River Rock. Glad you guys are here this morning. You know, I don't normally do this, but I was thinking about it during our time of music, and so I want to make sure to do it before it slips my mind. I'd like everybody, if you enjoyed the music this morning, would you just put your hands together for the people that played in the band this morning? (laughs) I'm a musician, so I know about this, but many of you maybe do not play a musical instrument my son is just trying to learn the guitar, so our house is full of wonderful noise. <laughs> and, uh, and so it takes a long time with a lot of hard work to do what these guys are doing up here. And it's easy to miss that. So thank you for the effort that you put in every single week, guys. It means a lot. All right, we're going to be talking about relationships today. And why are relationships so important? It's because relationships really have a ton of influence on our life. They have a ton of influence on how we've arrived where we're at today and where we're going to end up down the road. right? Someone has said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Right? The Word of God says, bad company corrupts good character. And the opposite is true as well. Here's what Jesus said about it. Open up to Matthew 18, if you would. Matthew chapter 18. Turn on your phones and look at Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18, one verse, verse 20. says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And so why is Jesus so interested in the gathering of his people? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why is Jesus so interested in that? And I believe it's because that's where real life change actually occurs. The reality is we are so pleased that you are here this morning. But the chances of life change occurring in your life here during our one-hour weekly service are pretty small. But when you gather together intentionally with smaller groups of men and women of God, in community groups and in discipleship opportunities, that's where real life change can occur. And so if you're not in a group right now, I'm just, just relax, take a deep breath, I'll let you off the hook real quick. Look, you're, you're, you're probably already thinking of reasons why you're not planning on being in a group this fall, right now. And so here's the question of the day: Why walk alone? Why walk alone? Now, immediately, some of you guys just thought of several reasons or excuses as to why you want to walk alone, all right? But I just want to walk through a few of those today, and let's just discuss them, all right? The first one is naivety, okay? Naivety. Now, there's two kinds of naivety. One is one that comes from ignorance and one that really stems from pride. The first one we'll talk about is ignorance, and that's one where people just don't know any better. They've never dove into intentional close relationships with men and women of God and they don't know how powerful it can be in their life. So they just don't know what they don't know, okay? And the other one comes from pride. Now this stems from uh, people who naively believe that they can walk through life and they're strong enough and they can handle it all by themselves. Uh, There's a story about uh, Muhammad Ali. He was on an airplane airplane and uh, the flight attendant walked over to, to uh, Muhammad and said, hey, you need to buckle up, sir, before we can take off. And Muhammad Ali puffed his chest out and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt." To which the flight attendant abruptly replied, and Superman didn't need no airplane either. Buckle your safety belt. <laughs> right? So we think... Sometimes we can just do it on our own. And and that's that's just pride. And pride will keep you from great things in your life if you're not careful. And the question is, are you humble enough to admit this morning that you may not have it all together? And you might just need other people's help to walk through life. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not an expert at anything I'm going to teach you on today. In fact, I was telling somebody before the service, I'm preaching to myself as much as you today. But would you just open your heart this morning and ask yourself, Would I be open to walking with somebody else in life? If you're not planning on doing that, just would you be open to doing so? Okay? The second reason why we often choose to walk alone is temperament. And this one's interesting, right? Some people, they just say, man, I'm just an introvert. I don't like being around small groups of people. And you say, that's never going to change. It's just the way I am. All right? Maybe you feel that way this morning. But I think what's important for us is to grasp God's view of community and the purpose and the role of it in our lives instead of just settling for our own human view of community and saying, that's just not something I'm comfortable doing. Because God asks us to make community a non-negotiable in our life. Over and over again in his word, he asks us that. Now listen, if we approach the rest of our life with that same mindset of that's just my temperament, that's just the way I'm wired, I mean, wouldn't that be great because we could say, like, when it's time to go to work in the morning, I'm just not comfortable being around those people. That's just not in my temperament. I'm just going to not go to work today. Or maybe it's school or a class that you're in. I'm just not going to go to school because I'm just just not comfortable. That's not my safe place. Right? But we don't skip those things. We don't skip those things because we place importance on those things. And we forget that God places enormous importance on the gathering of the people of God. Temperament's really about your comfort. That's what it's it's really about. It's about what makes me comfortable, where am I comfortable. And I'm telling you, some of God's best is reserved for you just beyond your comfort zone. Some of God's best is waiting for you just on the other side of your comfort zone. If you just step out and do it. Um, A good example of this, some of you all have heard this story, so I'll truncate it quite a bit, but my wife and I were living in San Antonio. We were going to a church. We were not going to a community group yet, but then we said, let's plug into one. So we got online. We looked up a map, and there on the map was one that was just like 10 miles away. So we called that couple, and we said, we want to come to your community group. They were excited. We showed up at the door. The door opened. Now, mind you, my wife and I are in our mid-20s at this time. We walk in. And there is not a single person in the room of about a dozen that do not have an AARP card. (laughs) So my wife and I kind of swallowed hard. And in that moment, one of the men stood up in the back. He said, I bet you didn't realize you were coming to the geriatric club, did you? (laughs) And we said, it's going to be all right. Something in us, we had just enough maturity to say, this might not be what we would have pursued, but maybe God has something for us here. Maybe God's up to something. Little did we know in a few months um, that we weren't trying, we were going to end up getting pregnant. And our parents both lived pretty far away, and it was our first child. We weren't planning for it. We were making very little money, and we were scared. And this group of grandparents came around us and shepherded us and loved us and told us it would work out and it would be okay. Right? Right? It was hard being a first-time parent. Parents, can I get an amen? Is parenting beyond your comfort zone? It's hard, right? This is Renee, my wife, beautiful, on the day shift. And then this next photo, this is me on the night shift. (laughs) That's little Sam there. It was hard. I wouldn't have chosen that part of my life. Maybe not. The next thing that keeps us is fear. Fear keeps us. From moving forward into a group fear and as you look at these in your bulletin you'll notice I've left blank spots and then I've left a question next to each one that says is this me question mark and if it is just check it I'm not saying join a community group today but would you just admit this is me we'll take a first step towards it all right fear some people are scared of what goes on in a group maybe you've worked it up in your mind you think you're going to show up at the door and some creepy person's going to open the door and they're going to say hi We've been waiting for you. Come on in. And then there'll be a circle of chairs, maybe with candles. And in the middle, there'll be one chair for you. Maybe it's kind of what we said earlier. It's a fear of meeting new people. You you have that fear, right? Maybe it's a, a fear of, what if I get to know these people and they learn my secrets? Will they still respect me? Will they still love me? Maybe it's, um, you decided it's just safer for people not to know you, right? Those fears are legitimate, right? But fears shouldn't hold us back from great things in our life. Don't be afraid. Move move forward. Check the box if that's you. I'm a scaredy cat. I don't want to do it. If you come to my place, we will not have a circle of chairs, all right? Well, sometimes we do, but there won't be any (laughs) chair in the middle, okay? We won't stick you in the middle, okay? All right, no no candles either, unless my house is stinking or something. All right, next fear is past experiences, and this one's big. This one's big, 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 past experiences. You've been burned by bad relationships. When you got in close with somebody, you've been burned, all right? You said to yourself, I'll never let that happen to me again, all right? I'll never let somebody get that close to me again, and that's a mistake. That's a mistake. God doesn't ask you when you get hurt to put on suits of armor to try to block out the world. He says, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Right? And he wants to heal you. He wants to heal your broken relationships. We talked about that a couple weeks ago with forgiveness and restoration. All right? So past experiences, they do tend to hold us back. And you know what's interesting? The devil really works actively to attack us in our relationships. Because why? Because he knows it's in the midst of godly relationships. That you stand a chance of growing more into the likeness of Christ. And if he can attack those relationships. If he can build barriers. Between you. And the people of God. That he's got you right where he wants you. Right? The last one is busyness. Now I should see pins checking everywhere right now. This is me. Busyness. Busyness, busyness. We say to ourselves, man, I would love to go to a community group, but I'm just too busy. I'd love to do it, but I'm too busy. And there are many things that we don't do because of this excuse. Things we know we should be doing, things we know that would make our life better and others' lives better if we would just do it. But we say, I'm too busy to do it. Now, I recently heard a pastor share on this topic. I wish I could say that this was mine. I totally stole it. I'm going to own it. Because it's really good. And it convicted me big time. And this is what the pastor said. Learn to be honest with yourself. If you find that there are great things missing in your life right now. Because I'm just too busy for that. Learn to stop saying that and say it like this. Apparently, that's just not a priority for me right now. Now that's real that's real all of us have 24 hours in every day and all of us have chosen to fill those hours with whatever we've chosen to fill them with right and the question is are we going to put god's priorities at the beginning of setting our calendar and have some non-negotiables and make gathering with a group of believers one of those priorities You know, if you look at your wife, um, the next time she says, man, we haven't gone out on a date in like months. And you say, what did Stephen tell me to say? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Apparently, that's just not a priority for me right now. (laughs) It's going to get real. It's going to get real quick. Right? It's not a priority for me. Don't allow your schedule to run you. This is an American epidemic. You run your schedule. Reprioritize your life. Look at the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47. I'm not going to run through both of them, but just throw those up there for me if you would. Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47. What's that first line say? To doing what? To meeting together. And we're not asking for every day. In fact, I don't want you to come to my house every day. Just pick one day a week. And say, in in addition to this large gathering on Sunday, I'm going to come and be with a smaller body of faith where life change can happen. Okay? Begin with God's priorities. When you sit down with your weekly planner, sit down with a more important book, the Word of God. Set your planner according to the Word of God. You know, I think inside most of us agree with all this. We don't disagree. We agree with it and we say, yes. And not only do I think we agree, I think it's a huge need. It's a huge need in our life today. It's a, it's, a, it's a built-in human desire that we ignore in our busyness and in our fears and in our temperaments, etc. Now, for those of you who are younger in the room, <clears throat> I apologize for what's coming next. Tell me if you know this. Come on, those of you who are a little bit older. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got right? Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Do we want to sing it? Would that make it better? Wouldn't you like to get away? Come on, everybody. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Dom, 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 dom. And they're always glad you came. Listen to this now. You want to be where you can see Our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Now, that was about a bar. (laughs) Let that sink in for a minute. That was about a bar. Interestingly enough, a lot of the early church songs and the hymns were originally written to bar songs you know that? That's free. Take that. That's, that's free. Shouldn't that be the church? Shouldn't that be the church when you walk in here and everybody knows your name? And some of those people know the names of your kids. And then a smaller chunk of those people know what your kids are going through right now. And they called you and talked to you about it this week and said, man, I'm praying for you and your daughter this week. And some of those people know that you have a bad patience problem with your daughter. And so they had lunch with you two weeks ago and said, Man, I'm praying for you in this. I used to have that same issue, and this is how God helped me. That should be the church. Let's read this verse together Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. Let's read this together. We belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. How many? All. The others. Okay? I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, You need me. You need me. And say and say, and I need you. Now now turn to the person who wasn't your first choice and say, You need me. And I need you. Yeah. There's always a second place. It's okay. It's all right. All right. I want to transition now to four aspects of our life, four aspects of our life, okay? And these are kind of like the different ways in which we let people in to our life, okay? Four aspects. Number one, the arena. The arena is I know, say it with me, I know and you know, okay? That's your public face. If you've been in ministry any amount of time, you know this is the Sunday face, This is why in America, when we greet people and we say, hey, how are you? And you say, oh, I'm doing good. We expect that. But if we say, hey, how are you? And you go, man, it's been really tough. That's great. That's wonderful. And then you (laughs) just walk, right? We don't really mean how are you, right? It's the arena. I know, you know, everything's kosher. Everything's great. How you doing? Oh, it's great. How about that football team? How about that baseball team? Yada, yada. Let's get on to trivial stuff because I don't want to talk about personal stuff, right? This is the public you, it's the part everybody sees, but we need more than that, okay? We need people who really know us. Say, I need people who really know me. Okay? They really know me. All right? Because there's a whole nother side to you. And the Word of God talks about this in First Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven. What's it say? Put it up there. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? In other words, you've got stuff hidden inside you, right? You've got stuff hidden inside you, and that takes us to the second arena. It's the mask. It's the mask. It's I know, but you don't know. I know, but you don't know. We all have that area that no one knows about. Now, listen to me now. Are you hearing me? The part of you that you know that nobody else knows about, many times puts you in danger. It puts you in a bad place. And I have an illustration to talk a little bit about this. Um, When I was a younger man, and if you can believe this, much more foolish than I am now, um, I had this really awesome motocross bike. (laughs) All right? There I am. That's up in the mountains, up in Alaska. Yeah? and go to the next one there. That's that's one of my old pastor buddies, and we were camping out along a river in Alaska. It was gorgeous. Right. So that's my old Suzuki there, 400 cc's of testosterone inducing power. Is what that was. <laughs> it was awesome. Okay? And one day I left the house that afternoon and I set out off into the wilderness and you can do this easily in the state of Alaska, get in the middle of nowhere quickly on a motorized vehicle. And I came to this rock quarry and in this rock quarry was this mound of earth that was about six feet tall with about a 50-degree angle inclined to its apex. And like any red-blooded American young man, I began to circle it in my motorcycle and thoughts began to run through my head. Right? Now, if you're like most young men, it's at moments like these when a soundtrack of rock and roll begins to play in your mind. And that day... That's right, David Lee Roth. Might as well jump, baby. Right? I backed up to about 100 feet away from that puppy, dropped it down in the first gear. That was gone, man. And it was one of the most beautiful sights in my recent memory. When I launched off of that dirt, It was like a cruise missile leaving a battleship. I arched up into the air. I was a motocross superstar. Angels were singing along with David Lee Roth. I touched the face of God. And then the consequences of my sin found me out. As gravity kicked in. Never have the words been more true. Pride cometh before a fall. <laughs> I realized so quickly that I had no idea how to land this meteor that I was riding. The motorcycle pitched into a nose-down dive. The earth was so tiny beneath me. And I remember falling and impacting Nose wheel first, the shocks bottoming out, it catapulting my body over the bike, face first into the dirt. I had no idea you could hit the ground that hard and be alive afterwards. (laughs) I am convinced as my spinal column compressed, I am an inch and a half shorter now than before that day. (laughs) And as I lay there choking in the dust, unable to breathe for an agonizing had to be 30 seconds or so, I am going to die in a gravel pit in the middle of nowhere because nobody knows where I was or what I was doing. I know but you don't know. And we all need people who will protect. I need people who will protect me. I needed somebody there when I was circling the evil Knievel launch to say, bad idea. No. No, have you ever done this? No, it's gonna be great! You know, you know, (laughs) no, bad idea. Stephen, abort. Now, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says. Instead, we have renounced shameful secret things, not walking in deceit or distorting God's message, but we commend ourselves to every person's conscience in God's sight by an open display of the truth. Now, inherent in this verse is this idea that there are some people in our life that we are just transparent with, that they get access into our life, and we're not distorting anything. Everything's out on the table for them. And we need that accountability. Listen to me, accountability is the secret to overcoming habitual sin in our lives. And this is something a lot of American Christians choose to walk without, is accountability. Could be any of those reasons we listed up front. Fear or pride, whatever it is. But you need people that you're accountable to. Give somebody permission to watch over your soul. Listen, when we go on vacation, we ask somebody, will you please watch over my house while I'm gone? This is our house. How much more important that we would have somebody watch over our soul, right? So choose carefully, but choose people to do that for you, okay? The third spot is blind spots, and that's I don't know, but you know. I don't know, but you know. We all have these blind spots. Friends don't let friends embarrass themselves. Several weeks ago, I preached a message, and I forgot that I had my sunglasses around my neck. And not one of you people, not one, looked at me and said, Steve, take the glasses off. Nobody. So I preached the entire message with sunglasses hanging around my neck. I may as well have had Bahama shorts and flip-flops on as well. Right? But you need people to tell you, man, you got a little booger in your nose. Sir. You need to get that off. You know? When you get up to sing, you need somebody who's like, zip it up, man. Your fly's undone, right? We need people who will tell us our blind spots, right? And this is important because we have a real enemy who is actively trying to hurt us and bring us down and destroy us, okay? Look at First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour He's just waiting for you to turn your back, right? And so you need somebody who can see your blind spots, who can watch your back for you. And his, this strategy of his, it usually works because most of us opt out of this. And we don't have anybody watching our backs. And we walk alone and we get eaten, all right? Coming to the end here, stay with me, all right? Because... We need people who will be honest with us, right? Who's doing that for you? Who has the ability to point out your blind spots? Because you don't want just anybody pointing out your blind spots, right? You want people that you know love you, you know they're for you, you know? And you know, you, you need somebody with some tact, because if it's somebody who's constantly badgering you and telling you everything that you're doing wrong, that's not good either, right? So you want somebody who will encourage you as much as they'll point out your blind spots to you. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6 says this Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Right? When it's a friend, when it's somebody you know loves you and is for you, you'll hear it and you'll receive it. Right? So choose wisely in that, but choose someone. Who's got your back? Okay? The last, last arena is our potential. And the potential is I don't know and you don't know either. (laughs) I don't know, and you don't know. All of us have unrealized potential inside of us, and it's God who knows it. And you're saying, so how does a group of community help me with that if I don't know, and they don't know? Here's how it works, because God is the one who knows. And God has this thing called the church, and it is through the church that God chooses to move more times than not to help us grow. It is through the church and through those relationships that the Holy Spirit will speak through people to us. And it makes a big difference in our life. My potential as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, will never fully be realized until I surround myself with really good quality people who have the ability to speak into my life with love and with gentleness and with, and with concern and with no agenda. Right? Right? I need people who will help me grow. I need people who will help me grow. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This is our last verse for the day. says, From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. We've all got a connection to one we can build each other up. We can strengthen each other and we can help each other grow. And see, small groups give us a place where one person can sharpen the other. Ask yourselves today, do you have these types of relationships that we've been talking about? Because you can find them in community groups. And even in a community group, you're probably gonna have to be transparent with someone. Ask, invite somebody into your life. Let them try to help you. Don't be prideful. This will make all the difference in your growth as a man or woman of God. We need more than casual surface friendship relationships where we just got a mask on. We need to be the church. And that happens in the context of these relationships. All right, as we close today, I want you to look at the back of your connection card. The back of your connection card. There's boxes there you can check about a relationship with God or about community groups, about baptism, about a lot of different things, okay? By the way, it's not too late for baptism if you want to be baptized on the 27th. You can check that box today, okay? There's prayer requests you can fill out. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody look up here. Lean in now. Come, come, Come right here. I need Jesus real bad, and so do you. We need Jesus. And if you don't know him, this is the first relationship you need to focus on today. You need to take the opportunity today and let him in. If you don't know Jesus, let us introduce you to him. There's a box there that, that says, I'd like to know more about walking with Jesus. Would you just check that box? It's so simple, check that box And then when one of us calls, because we will Pick up the phone And begin walking in that first relationship That first community, that's so important Jesus said, I no longer call you servants But I call you friends Right? Let him call you a friend too Check that connection card Other relationships are ones we've been talking about all morning Our community group program is, is the easiest way to do this We encourage it strongly. C-groups are where, where you'll be encouraged to actually apply and follow through with the things you've heard on Sunday. You'll watch others grow into the people of God and you'll say, man, I want that too in my life. All this begins with you today. If you've never done this, all this begins with you is just with a simple check mark. I'd like more information about community groups. Would you check that? And what I'd like for everybody to do is bow your heads. As our ushers come, they're going to bring some of our offering plates up. Finish this card, and as the offering plate passes you today, drop this card in there. Fill out your prayer request. we love to pray with you guys today. What's your next step? Okay? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you yourself since the beginning of the beginning have been in community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you have drawn us together as a body of Christ this morning in a large gathering. And Father, I pray that we would see the great benefit and the great need to gather together during the week. Father, I pray that we would remember that many times it's not because we need to be there for us, but it's because we need to be there for somebody else that week that they need us to show up in their lives. God, help us not to be a Christian that's so focused on what our needs are and what our preferences are. But rather we would show up and serve and love and hug and listen to and understand others. Because I know, Father, that type of person never is short on friends who want to listen and understand and love them back. Help us to be that people. That's what the world needs. That's what the world was drawn to in the early church, God. They weren't drawn to a fancy service or great music or an eloquent speaker, but they were drawn to a love from people gathering in each other's homes, even amidst persecution. We want to be that group of people again. Help us to be that for your kingdom's sake. And Father, we thank you for blessing us how you have so much by providing for every need in our life. And at this time, when we receive the offering, God, we just offer it to you and we say, this isn't even ours, it's yours. And so we're just giving back to you that which is already yours. We love you, Father. Have your way in our life. We give you our checkbook. We give you our calendars. Have your way. In your name we pray.